Welcome everyone to yet another episode of the Pop Tapestry. Today we have with us Tanya Sivaram, who is an amazing singer from Bangalore. I personally love her voice so much and have been following her YouTube channel called Singing with Tanya for a long time now. I've known her because of her dad, Robin, who is an overseer at Breakthrough, which is an outbound learning center. Moreover, Tanya was a voice teacher at Stonehill International Bangalore. Let's hear what she has to say on this episode of the Pop Tapestry. So, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. <laughs> it's morning here for me, so I will go. Yeah, yeah it's uh, night here and the podcast setup was taking a while, but we made it, so I'm glad. <laughs> uh, <Super>. Amazing. <laughs> Let's head on to the questions. I'm so curious to ask them from you. I basically want to know how's your journey in music? Like, how did you start doing singing and all these stuff related to music? I think I hid from singing for a very long time. When I was a kid, my mom used to tell me to keep quiet because I couldn't sing in tune. <laughs> Let my brother sing and be like, Tanya, why don't you sit down and be quiet for a little while? <laughs> so that was my origins, my origin story in music. But I did piano right through school. I remember not being brave enough to ask for singing lessons. I remember that very clearly. Mm. And it was only when I was like in Standard 11 that we did a concert and someone, I loved the Cranberries, and someone asked me to sing the lead in Cranberries. And I sang and I loved it. I didn't think I was amazing or anything at that point, but I could do it. And I was shocked that I was able to hold a tune and all of that kind of stuff. And then in college, there, my college was really famous for its choir. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what the heck, I'll just sign up. And I auditioned and it turns out like I was a legacy <laughs> because my mom knew the, the, the teacher really well. And so uh-huh. she saw me as Linda Paul's daughter and she thought, oh my God, this voice is going to be incredible. But I was like, I'm not even very good at singing. Like that, that was my view. And she was all like, oh my gosh, this is going to be an incredible addition to the voice, to the choir and all of this. And so then started my fake journey where in front of everyone else I looked at this looked like this very confident really good singer but inside I was just like oh my god you're so fake you don't sound good at all what's wrong with you so it was a very critical uh, voice that followed me for a very long time and then I went through life never finding my thing I never, I, everyone else, I'm going to be a designer. I'm going to be a this, I'm going to be a that. And I was like, I could be anything. There's no, like, I don't know what I want to do. And, and I realized now in hindsight, it's because what I wanted to do was not valid to me. Becoming a singer or doing anything with music was not valid. It's, oh, that's a hobby. That's not something you pursue as a job or a career. And every time I went with what I was passionate about, I had to just shut it down because it wasn't valid. And, oh. and I don't think I actually fully understood that at the time. Oh. But I was just very confused. I was like, I, I have no idea. I've, I've done, I did like career guidance tests and stuff. And one said I should become a food nutritionist. And I was like, what? Oh, I'm in food science. <laughs> but it's fine. I understand. <laughs> yeah. So I never found my passion. Actually, there's a really funny story about me chatting with my kids in the car. And I was telling them, I always want you to follow what you want to do. And tell me if there's something that comes up that you get really excited about. I want to encourage you. And they're like, Mama, what about you? You always knew what you wanted to do. I'm like, I didn't know what I wanted to do till five years ago. Like, I didn't know till very recently. I didn't. I hadn't found my thing. And now I found my thing. I know what I want to do. And this was while I was ri- driving them to school. 
And my little one turns to me and goes, yeah, you found your thing that you want to drop your kids to school in the morning. <laughs> Pretty much. That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't until I had kids that I decided to give this singing thing another shot and mm. go for it. And once I did that, I uh, had a teacher from Australia teach me and it was mind blowing. Like by week three, I was just having continuous breakthroughs. <laughs> I had, I never had a teacher who saw my problem as unique and gave mm -hmm. me exercises to fix my specific problem. And I didn't even know that was possible in singing because singing is the voice is such a mystery, right? Who knows why some people can and why some people can't. That's true. And everyone puts you in this box saying either you're talented or you're not. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with it all, but it's just another skill. And if you get a teacher who knows how to teach that skill, then you can get better at it. And my voice improved phenomenally after that. And I was like, I need to get, I need to be trained in this technique because I want to help people like she helped me. And Amazing. That, yeah, that was the beginning of it all. <laughs> you were passing on what you received, which is yeah. really great. And I think it was such an impossible dream for me. I just felt, okay, this is a dream I have, but I'm never going to achieve it because I'll never sing how I imagine I want to sing. Yeah. What do you think? Is that just a mindset or like you have to push through it? So there are a few things that people can do by themselves, but I think if you've always wanted to sing your whole life mm -hmm. and you felt, feel like you can't do it to the ability you want to, it's probably because you have a singing obstacle that that is unique or different or something that the world on YouTube cannot help you with. And only a professional who has studied voice will be able to go, oh, ding, that's your problem. Here's your exercise. Go fix it. Amazing. Yeah, that's true. I believe it. And especially when you have a good mentor, it can help you in, a, in really great ways because you have someone to look up to, to help you solve your problems. And not everybody gives those responses to people. So that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 And I think I also always suppressed a lot of what I felt and what I thought and what I, I lived my childhood very free of, if I had a big reaction to something, it was like, swallow it and move forward. It was very much a ignore the symptoms. And I think that was with my singing as well, because if I couldn't hit a note in a song, the thinking was, come on, Tanya, get over it. Some people can't sing at all. What's your problem? So there was no real compassion or ability to listen to myself back when I was very critical with my voice. And I think for me, this is where the, the two-sided thing of me being a unique singing teacher comes in, where I started to see that the emotional and the mental and the inner wounds that keep coming up can affect your voice drastically. I've had students who eventually after three months sing beautifully, but their mind still tells them that they're not good enough. And so they don't use their voice. And I've been in that spot where you finally can sing, but then it's, wait, who wants to hear me? Like, what, what, why would they want to listen to what I have to say? And you don't even realize these are the things that go on inside you, but yeah, it's sad. And so that's why for me, both those streams work very closely together. I what think think? Yeah, I think people can't tell after looking at you that you are thinking these thoughts. They, they might be like, wow, Tanya is so great. Like, how could she even think about being not enough and yeah. stuff like that? Yeah. And I was so good at the fake stuff. I was so good at creating this image of 
beauty and perfection you know? <laughs> but inside I was just like oh my god what if I mess up the note oh my god I'm not gonna get there and, and inside there was this continuous critical stream of thought that was just like I had to fight her constantly <laughs> it was very difficult yeah perfect thanks for that and I hope it helps somebody who's listening and I also heard from Shiju that you can act and sing together he told me about a play you were in. Do you have something to say about that? I think, I don't know how acting came easy. I think I have to credit it to my school because we had plays, we had drama festival for two months in the year. Mm. And so we would act out different roles. And we had some really good teachers who helped you create a character. Like what kind of walk does she have? What kind of thoughts does she have? What kind of emotions does she have? And what kind of, and you had to sit and think about all these things. And I remember I was Cordelia and King Lear once as well. And I had to act all royal. At one point I had to act dead as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, but just those exercises, the exercises of getting you out of your comfort zone. Mm. And it was also a bit of an escapism for me because when I went into these other characters, sometimes I was able to just turn off everything and just be wow. like, okay, I am now this confident person and I'm not going to listen to whatever else is real Tanya. <laughs> you get into that character and you just do it. And um, yeah, so I think I really enjoyed it. I think if I, if I had any informal training, it probably came from that, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, like acting and music. I don't know many people. I'm not sure if many people can do that. Because yeah. I've heard a lot of singers, they sing what they feel at times, like the songs they create. And some of them have so much emotions showing on their face. And I don't know how they, it's not easy to mask all that and acting and singing. I, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. of many people who could do that. What are your inspirations for music? I think for me, my biggest inspiration is my 16-year-old self. <laughs> that sounds really? a bit egoistic. <laughs> because she was such an insecure, quiet, what I have to say is not important. And she was so stuck in her own way that I feel, and there were so many barriers, so many seemingly big obstacles in front of her that some, some of them she chose to see, some of them she didn't. And I just didn't have the freedom to feel like the world is your oyster, go do what you want. Didn't have that. It was all like, no, you should be this, you should be that, you should be like this, you should be like that. There were so many things that were, that felt like I, it was holding me down. Now, when I look back in hindsight, at the time, it was just like, okay, this is life, let's just deal with it. But I think every time I help someone find joy in their voice, find freedom in their voice, it's I'm helping that little girl all over again. And so it just, yeah, there's nothing like it. <laughs> Yeah. Completely understandable. Like sometimes there are so many things we want to tell ourselves when we go back to our childhood and we're like, I wish I could tell myself that at that point so that I would have been like much more uh, brave at this age and like this time. Like for me personally, I have a lot of things to tell to the 15 or like 13 year old me. So I resemble with what you said. Makes yeah. sense completely. Yeah, at the same time, I feel like if I did have some guru come and tell me something when I was 16, I would have probably just shut it out because it would have been too overwhelming. <laughs> it's just, like, dude, I'm just handling every day right now. I don't need your advice. <laughs> so I'm not sure how much I would I was in a space to even listen. Yeah. And I think now I see a lot of things that were a big... Some of the things that were so big back then, they were necessary. 
for me to get to the place I am now. Sometimes I think about how many times I wished I just had the talent to sing. And there are certain things that I was really good at as a kid that now I don't know how to teach because it just came so naturally to me. One of the things was gymnastics. I started gymnastics when I was three years old. And so when my kids ask me, how do, you, how do I do a cartwheel? I'm just like, put one leg in front of the other and do it. I don't know how to teach you that because it just comes, I just do it and I did, my body does it. I don't know, it's like muscle memory. But singing, I have been through all the stages of a singer. I've been through the one who just wishes that she could, and then actually having to perform in front of hundreds of people and just feel like, oh my God, we're letting them all down because you're such a failure. Or finally coming to the place where, oh, now I feel like, oh, I'm so happy within myself. I don't even care what these strangers think, even though I love them and it's great. But it doesn't they, their opinion is not more important than how I feel inside. And so that, that whole journey has been such a learning that I would not give it up for anything now. It's just every stage has been so essential to get me down now. And that's been great too. <laughs> Amazing. Shiju had a suggestion for a question. He was asking about what did you learn from your husband's experience at Hillsong Australia? I thought about this one a bit and I think the best thing that Australia did for me, <laughs> my husband going to Australia did for me was go- it just gave him a much bigger, broader mindset about the world. And I think, especially in India, we're quite cushioned and we're quite protected. And most of us don't leave home until we're like 25, 30. We don't have that 18-year-old kick out of the house sort of thing. We're very protected and looked after by our parents. And so when you travel to another country, you just get exposed to a whole new mindset, a whole new perspective. And you are thrown outside your comfort zone. And it's, oh, wait a minute, who am I? What are my values? What do I care about? There's no, suddenly nobody above you going, no, do it like this, do it like that. It's like, oh, I get to choose now. And mm-hmm. you go into yourself so much faster. Mm-hmm. So That's true. Like, even from the stories he to- he tells me, I hear very different, a very different Ajit from before Hillsong and a very different Ajit post Hillsong, who's just much more sure, more driven, more purpose, more, it's his choice, what he chose to do with his life and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think that was great for him. Amazing. And did you also said that you fly like a fish on the trampoline? I didn't understand what it quite meant, but then I could relate it to the gymnastics that you told me right before. So yeah, I went to boarding school, which was Hebron in Uti, and it was a bit of boarding school and they had a trampoline in the school and I was on that thing for hours at a time so I got lots of practice and kids would teach you like they would do something so you try it out and, and it was pretty safe because it was a trampoline I don't know how I didn't hurt myself I was on there for so long like any free time I had I was on the trampoline so a lot of the time was spent practicing those skills so it's a little bit like the gymnastics my body just knows what to do like even after two kids I can get up on the trampoline and do these tricks that you know <laughs> first got got pregnant the one thing I wasn't allowed to do was jump on the trampoline <laughs> like nine months of no trampoline yeah. amazing yeah so those were his questions and uh, he was like oh please ask these questions these are important questions you need to ask <laughs> the, the, the training center my dad runs breakthrough they have a trampoline there so even on my Instagram channel, I've done a few trampoline tricks to get a singing concept across, like singing high notes and singing low notes. And I'm jumping on the trampoline saying, do you want to be relaxed or do you want to be <laughs> up in the air in the trampoline? Yeah, I've looked at your Instagram and YouTube. 
uh, actually the next question is about that so i find a lot of creative things like something i wouldn't think about it's like the one that you posted yesterday with you sipping something in a glass and it was amazing you were so good yeah do you personally come up with these ideas or like so a lot of them i it's in my doom scrolling okay okay and i'm like oh i could relate to that oh i can relate to that and basically it's how does i look at it through a lens of singing and so i look at their reel and it's all about growing instagram and it's all about most creators who are doing these really fun reels are showing you that you can use these reels the idea is how do i look at through the filter of singing at their reel and say do i relate to that it does singing relate to that in any way and then i'll save that reel if it makes sense and then i look back at it later and i just edit it and mm. figure it out <laughs> nice so how did you come up with your youtube and instagram channel which is named as singing with tanya the name the actual name the name and how did you come up with the youtube uh, like yeah. why did you think about creating a youtube page I think when I learned how to sing and then I learned how to teach I it's it's like the parents who have had kids and that all they can talk about is kids like I I all I could talk about was singing <laughs> I couldn't mm-hmm. stop and sometimes I would see people's eyes go dead it's just like Tanya do you have to keep talking about this <laughs> and it was just so much inside me that I just wanted to get get all of this out and if you got me started on the topic of singing like you couldn't stop like it was very difficult to get me to stop <laughs> and so i was like you know what i think i need an outlet i need a place that i can get all this stuff inside me out so i don't have to ruin my friends and my husband and my kids lives <laughs> which about singing and so uh, now i know to ask i'm like are you really interested or are you just making small talk because i can talk on this for hours <laughs> yeah so that and also i needed to have a way to let people know that this is what i was doing now mm-hmm. and uh, what i loved about instagram was when i first got students i had to prove to them that i knew stuff then i got to teach them with instagram people just automatically see you because they see all your videos and how much knowledge you have on it they already put you in an authority of the subject you're doing mm-hmm. and they only follow you and 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 contact you mold the kind of potential students you want So my videos will be only attractive to people now who want to do a little bit of deeper thinking about hey what do I think about my voice you know what when i think of my voice i just get scared is oh yeah tanya's content is that so maybe i'll contact her so i think about my ideal student when i create my content so that those people actually contact me and i get to work with people who it's not just oh no just tell me how to sing and that's all i want to do i don't need to go down this dark road of what i'm actually think, thinking and feeling i'm like oh, okay that's not a match for me then because i like to go behind the scenes and figure out what is going on underneath i had this amazing lesson just the other day where i went through all the vocal technique stuff with this with the student and then we did a mental dive and we're like wait now what are your beliefs about your voice and it was just so freeing for me because i could directly just ask her okay these questions and when she gave me her answers immediately all her fears were around i only have a soft voice so for mm-hmm. me teacher i now know that she has a identity and a belief that she can't sing loud as well as these are her vocal obstacles practically when she sings mm-hmm. and so i can put those two things together and then design a much more holistic program for her to help her deal with those specific issues that are not necessarily just physical and so every time she sings high she's going to purposely pull herself back because she has a fear that she's going to yeah. hold herself back because she believes she has to you know and so for me as a teacher to help 
see that and help her release that. It's more than just, oh, do it a little louder. That's not going to help. <laughs> How did you come up with this teaching lessons and what's your method of doing it? What I've done for most of my, after I finished the training and everything from LA, I got my personal teacher from Australia and then I realized I needed to know every singing problem, not just my singing problem. And so I got trained by John Henney in LA. I did his whole training course mm-hmm. and that was, oh my goodness, it was so tense, but I just swallowed every second of that thing. I think he said that most people take a year to go through the program. I, I did it in three months. <laughs> just like, give me more. (laughs) Yeah, I really loved it. And so ever since then, I I was practicing a lot of the instruction. So it's very practical. And the most beautiful thing I love about the technique is it finds the spot. And I think now this has become my experience as well, mixed in with what I learned into this new thing, is I find your learning spot. Like, where are you on the scale of where the goal is that you want to be at? And we start there and we perfect that. And then we take it a little further and we perfect that. So I feel like confusion is the biggest obstacle to progress. So unless you know exactly with clarity what you are practicing and how you should sound and how you should feel and how everything should be, unless you know that target, that the confusion of not knowing the target is what makes people go forward a bit and then back and then forward a bit and then back and then forward. And so just to get that steady progress is beautiful to get so we start i start with really small sounds like or a like that throughout your entire range what it should feel like in the high notes what breath control is in the low note what resonance is all these little sounds are teaching you everything perfectly and then we start getting bigger sounds until finally like just in the word you're saying three syllables word right like a little more or maybe a little bit of that as well there's such a mixture like a guitar has one hole and it doesn't change. We have minimum two, sometimes three, <laughs> and they all can change shape. And so there's so much that that is complicated about singing. It's like walking into a gym on day one and saying, I want to lift 200 kgs right now. And your gym instructor will just laugh at you. It's okay, take this two kg weight. Let me show you the form. Let me show you what it actually feels like. And then we'll take a little heavier weight. And so when a person comes to me and goes, I want to sing this song. And I'm like, okay, let's calm down a bit. And that's a very ambitious goal. It's great. But we have to start with the small stuff. And you need to know what is good vocal health, good vocal resonance, good breath control, good pitch, good this, tone, everything at this level. And then we get a little bigger and a little bigger. And and at every phase that you get bigger, you know how to nail it if you're nailing it or not. And if you don't, you come ask me and send me a little voice note saying, is this right? <laughs> I'll be like, yes or no, <laughs> depending on what, what it is. So that's the practical side of it. And, and I was doing both these, the second thing I'm going to talk about very separately in my life. And I think after I had kids, I was like, what do I like? What do I not like? Who is Tanya? I didn't even know really who I was. And I went through this whole introspective journey of figuring out what who this girl is and that was when I for a little while I did the artist's way it's a journaling book and it helps find out it helps you tap into your creativity and see what is really on your heart and that's where I found singing in those journaling and I traced it back to being a kid and just saying oh my god this is what I want to do but no Tanya focus on your studies focus on your piano you're already asked way too much so you can't ask for this as well and it's just all these self-imposed shoulds that I put on myself as a kid. And I remember even when I was in, when I taught in Stonehill to that point as well, I got singing lessons because 
I thought of it as I need to be a better teacher, not I got singing lessons so that I could sing better because that was too scary. That was too close to my dream, my passion that that wasn't going to happen. And so I got singing lessons under this umbrella thought of it'll make you a better teacher because that was safer to think rather than, oh, I want to be a great singer. That was too scary. Mm -hmm. And so all of this introspective work really helped me see how much it's helping me sing. There's so much of like doubt and misbeliefs and identities that I've created that are just blocks to helping me put stuff out on Instagram, just fear of rejection, helping me just be my complete self because of all these fears or whatever else I have. And just tackling those one by one helped me start seeing that in my students. And so when this one student wanted to sing at his wedding and we worked towards a song and he sounded amazing in my voice. I don't say that lightly because he was singing almost off tune when he came to me. And then when he finished his sessions with me, he was sounding beautiful, but I could just see that he didn't believe it. And he was too scared. I'm like, you need to get proof. Go send it to a friend who sings well and ask them if they think. And he was just like, no. <laughs> and so he got this base. He got this dream. He got this skill. But his mind just said, nope, it's too scary. Shut it down. And I'm like, I know what that feels like when I'm not doing. And I, I'm sitting there watching this happen in front of me. And I'm like, wow, I can't do anything about this. And so I just did, did you did you help him out? Could you? No. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, though. I've understood that you can't help someone unless they want to help themselves. Yeah, and at true. that point of time, also, I didn't really have the skill. I, I was at this place where I could help myself with all my beliefs, but I didn't know how to help other people with all their stuff. And mm -hmm. that was maybe like three, four years ago. And now I'm so much more confident with letting people share whatever their fears are. Like, I'm not scared of your fears. I'm not scared of your obstacles that you think are holding you back. And I can just sit in that space with you when I'm totally okay with it. And that helps me give a safe space to my students so that they can really open up because singing is so close to your identity and your ego and everything. It's like when someone told you when you sang on stage and you came off stage and someone said, oh man, that's not something you should be doing. You should pick another path in life. I know how hard that arrow pierced your heart because I've been through that. And other people are just like, yeah, get over it. Do something else. What the hell? And I'm like, no, no, no. That is important to give it time, give it space, see what repercussions happened because of that comment and see how deeply wounded you are because of that one thing. And that's why you don't want to move forward, actually, in your singing, because it's too scary. What if people reject me? What's the point of having a good voice? I'm not going to be able to do anything with it. Blah, 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 blah. It's just like this. Yeah, um, crazy. Yeah. And so just knowing an unknown problem is very hard to fix. And that's what most people have. Stage fear is an unknown problem because fear of singing is not deep enough. It's just a label. It's like a bandaid over a wound. Why, when you stand on that stage, why are you scared? Is it fear of rejection? Is it that your mother has been really critical and she might not give you a safe some, something very nice to you after you're done? Or is it that you don't believe that you're worthy of this attention? And why is everyone standing and staring at me? I don't feel good enough to receive this. There's different aspects of why you have stage fear. And when we get to that level, suddenly it's a known problem. It's like I had a student once who said, oh, my God, I, I just think I'm just really shy. And she's like, even for birthdays and stuff, 
when people would give me presents, I would just be like, no, no, I don't want all this. It's okay. And I'm like, okay, close your eyes and go there now. Be there right now. You're on the center of the circle. You're like eight years old and everyone's, oh, happy birthday. And they're giving you presents and feel that discomfort and find, just be silent for a bit and find out why, why is this so uncomfortable? And she did it. She spent that time and she's, oh my God, I just feel like I'm not worth all of this attention. Who am I to get all this attention? I, I'm not worthy of this. Go give it to someone else. I'm not worthy of, of your praise, of your attention. And I'm like, that's a deep wound, dude. That, that's a big thing that's going to keep coming up until you figure out that it actually exists and, and face it and do something with it. So how do you help? Suppose you know somebody's problem and they admit it and they want help. So how is your role there? So the beautiful thing about this, and I've learned this through experience, is awareness and knowing the problem sometimes is enough. And that's an incredible, crazy answer. But before this, she would stand on stage and not know why she was scared. It's just, no, I'm shy. And this is not me. Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. And then the thoughts spiral into a crazy dark hole and she can't do anything about it. The next time she was on stage, she was like, okay, I have this thing of I'm not worthy. I need to just breathe through it. You are worthy. This is okay. You're allowed to be here. It's okay that you're here. You know how to, you, when you know the problem, most of the, most of the solution comes from my student. Like, I don't even have to say much. I just have to help them be brave enough to look at the problem. If you're brave enough to look at the problem, then you know the problem. And we are all really smart people. Once you know a problem, you can ask anyone, they know solutions. And she herself was like, I didn't know. I thought I was a really confident person. I thought I had tons of self-esteem. I can't believe this is the truth about me. And I was like, yeah. It's, it's, we, and how many times in your life have you had to overcompensate because you were hiding this? And it's incredible. And the next time she sang, she said it was just so much more free. And she was able to just, she was able to address the root of the issue. She stood there and she told herself, hey, you were chosen for this solo. They wanted all of me, not just my voice. They wanted how I sing the notes. They wanted my face expression. They wanted my physical features. They want, they chose me because I'm a whole package, not just the one voice with blinders on. And I'm the one who's been chosen to do this and I am worthy of this and it's okay that I'm here and all that kind of stuff. And she said, she, the nerves just faded and she was fine. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, it's great to know that you're helping out people deal with such issues. Because yeah. these issues can seem small, but I believe it's really rooted to deep issues in the past or like in childhood and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah. it's also helping them apart from singing. It might be helping them in their personal life as well. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And singing is a way to express yourself. How close is that to you? <laughs> How you express yourself is is almost who you are, right? And so singing is a very personal journey. It's not this factual, oh, if you can just do this, then do that. And now your voice sounds great. Problem solved. Here's the bowl. Take it and go. There's <laughs> so much more to it than that. Yeah. Amazing. I'm so happy to know all these things. How many people have you taught till late? Since I actually went through my phone and everyone I got as students, I saved them as their name and singing. So I just wrote singing in my phone. I counted. I've taught 90 people, which is a lot of people. Amazing. <laughs> like, wow. That's a lot of people. Yeah. You've impacted <laughs> so many lives. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And a lot of the ones I've done a little indirectly, like I've had to be very tiptoey and, and go around. Okay, this is your belief and we've got to 
and I was very nervous to touch that area because it's so personal yeah. to people. Now I just do it. I'm just like, dude, we need to talk about what you believe about your voice, <laughs> you know, and, and are you okay to do? I'm, I'm always making sure they're comfortable. I'm not forcing it on them. It's always, if you need to take a break, you need to pause, maybe come back to this next week, we can do that. But I think something about me, I have this ability to help people feel very safe. And I think it's also to do with how much of judgment I used to put on myself. And I've seen the wound that can cause. And I've learned how to turn down that critical voice and to give people a safe, non-judgmental space. No matter what you tell me, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, that should not have happened. Oh my goodness, you did that? What the heck? That's not really going to be part of it. <laughs> yeah, there are some people who can be like that. I don't know who would want to study from them though. I'm glad you are this person. It's amazing that you let people feel safe i think that's one of the best feelings you can make people feel yeah let's talk about how you feel after teaching 90 people so many people yeah i think what i told you the best feeling is when you get someone to suddenly have this beautiful free voice and they're just like oh my gosh i never thought i would ever be able to sing this song and that in is enough thanks for me because it's like that 16 year old that thought she would never be able to a, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. And suddenly you're seeing it happen in front of your eyes. And that is just the ultimate reward for me. But this is a really interesting aspect about singing where there's a very different atmosphere when you're performing and a very different atmosphere when you're practicing. And just defining these kind of simple things, I think is really helping me be a better teacher. And so when you're performing, you don't need any criticism at that point. When you're on stage about a sing or a karaoke with your friends or about to record an Instagram video, whatever level you're doing it at, you do not need, okay, you better focus because otherwise you're going to mess up. You don't need any of that kind of voice in your head at that point in time. You need to bring up the volume of the nurturer. Come on, Tanya, you've got this. You can do this. You've been training for a long time for this song, this performance. You can trust your voice. Like things like that. You need nurturing affirmations like to calm you down, to help you just really enjoy being there in the moment. Your critical voice is also a gift that you use when you practice. And so I told you when we do that technique, you have to nail it, you, like get it perfect and get comfortable with that perfection of that sound. So if you're doing like a, if I would make someone do a ma, 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 supposing they're just doing that, but what they actually end up doing is ma, ma, your critical brain will help tell you, oops, that top note didn't have the same resonance as the fullness, the tone was not the same. Mm. Your critical brain actually is a really helpful tool that will help you get it right. So at different aspects there are different things you need at different points there are different things you need and separating that out for a performing artist is so important and it's something that we don't think about and it's oh, critical brain is bad turn it off it's, no actually your biggest ally is your critical brain when you're practicing how do i want to sing this song where do i want to put in the breathy bits where do i want to put in the loud bits where do i want to really get my point across which are the lines that really mean something to me the critical brain is the one that's going to help you do all of that but then when you're finally performing Performing, all of that is just the practice, the, the mountain that you stand on. <laughs> when you finally perform, it's just about connecting with the audience, being in the moment, enjoying yourself, letting loose, being open, being free, being relaxed. It's a whole different thing. 
And teaching both those aspects is really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Any fun story while teaching someone? I think the funniest is when people mistakenly make crazy sounds. <laughs> One of the other funny stories I have is of this girl I was teaching and she got, she was singing and as she got higher, I, she finished and I said, you know what? At this note, I could hear your fear. I could hear that you were getting fearful. And she's like, how are you in my head? I don't understand this. How do you know what I'm scared of? <laughs> and I'm like, because I've been exactly where you are. And I know I understand what fear of high notes means. And I've, I've seen it. I've heard it so many times in my students. So, yeah, I think teaching so often also, these things come to you really fast. Mm-hmm. Like before I would sit and I would write notes and I would like really think about each student. Like, what am I going to do next? And now I listen to someone in five minutes, I can like diagnose. Okay, I would work on this. I would do these scales. This is where I would start. This is where I would see whether it was progressing. I would rework this. If this wasn't working for this reason, so just blah, blah, blah. it's like a math. Mm-hmm. It's like a math. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, by the way, do you like maths? I love maths. Yeah. Really? Yeah, this it's crazy. First time. I'm hearing a, a singer say that they love maths. Yeah, I'm I'm very weird that way because I'm logically creative. <laughs> I'm not just creative. I I love structure and my creativity. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's amazing. So, yeah, yeah, I'm very logically creative. So even that was a big stumbling point for me because everyone was like, "You're so structured. Why do you want to go singing? Singing is so artistic and free and da da da. You seem like a very logical person." I'm just like. Mm. but i think that's what helps me like dissect the mysterious into palatable bites that people can understand and then that communication happens so much more clearer and yeah it makes it better i think amazing <laughs> so um, we are going to talk about how do you think the young singers aspiring singers anyone it could be like of any age maybe what do you want to tell them something you tell to your 16 year old self or maybe yeah just something you want to tell to inspiring artists i think for anyone who feels the burden of their dream too strongly get help that would be my first advice even if some singing singing classes can be really expensive but yeah. a lot of people do free assessments for your mm. first lesson and get that assessment find out that demystify the problem with your voice demystify why something is not working i can't sing loud i can't sing soft i can't sing high i can't sing low those are just beliefs and singing is a skill so unless you go to a person who has a confidence to help you with your with whatever your belief is that i can't do that thing and then they give you proof they give you exercises they give you evidence that it is possible and then you work on it together just like any other skill the only thing that is limited is you are born with a certain vocal range that you can't go beyond mariah carey has four octaves not everyone does uh, i have a question can an alto singer be able to go to that range of a soprano is it hard so it's not there is certain soprano notes that might possibly be without your range it's a possibility but mm-hmm. everyone has a chest register and a head register and most people who think that they are altos have never really explored their head register or they just don't feel safe enough doing it because you feel your security in your chest voice this is where i speak this is where i talk so this is where i sing and as i get higher i'm going to keep trying to use only this register and this register was not made for your head voice 
Oh, I'm singing correctly. Wait, ah, like that's the edge of my chest register, but it's not the edge of my vocal register. Does that make sense? So your chest voice can only go up there. And that's where your security is. And that's where you've always lived. And so it feels so good. But ah, that's too scary. <laughs> you know, don't want to touch that because I don't know what that is. And when someone is there to help you to take you through that journey, it, it feels a lot more secure. And so, oh, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. Perfect. It was fun speaking to you. I think I got some personal insights. So I'm really glad we did this session. Yeah. To everyone listening to this podcast, please go ahead to her YouTube, Instagram, Singing with Tanya and just check out whatever content she's posted. I think if you're aspiring to be a singer, it would be really helpful. And it was really great to talk to you, Tanya. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. (laughs) And there were some uh, crazy questions Shiju asked me to ask you, but I think those were fun too. Like, I couldn't imagine thinking about a fish flying and she was like, no, she does it like that. And I was like, really? Is it possible? I actually signed up my kids for some gymnastics lessons. And that's when I realized my deficiency as a gymnastic teacher because I was like, wow, these guys got them to do cartwheel an hour. It was incredible. And I was watching them and I had this feeling of jealousy come up. I'm like, Mm. I want to be doing that. And so I turned to my friend, another mother, and I'm like, I think I should be taking these lessons. And she's like, I've been wanting to take these lessons. Will you join with me? And so I was like, yes. And so we both just signed up for gymnastics lessons. It's amazing. You are one energetic, passionate person. I can tell that after talking to you. Really love your energy. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Then we'll wrap up for the show. Okay, cool. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. And please stay tuned for the next episode as well. Bye-bye. Bye. See you.